This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, October 3rd, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. Supersonic flight is not a new technology, and yet it may still be in its infancy. Why? Well, the FAA has banned it and has for a long time. That might change. Alan McQuinn is a senior policy analyst at the Information Technology and Innovation Foundation. We discussed lifting the speed limit in the sky last week. Commercial supersonic flight in the United States doesn't exist, uh, but it can exist over water uh, from the United States elsewhere. Uh, Where are we right now with the status of regulating supersonic flight? It just doesn't happen, right? That's correct. The FAA has had a ban over uh, overland flights for supersonic planes since 1970 when it used its authority under the Aircraft uh, Noise Abatement Act to basically create a speed limit of Mach 1 over land. Uh, this has artificially reduced the market size, obviously, for this type of technology um, and is one of the many reasons why the Concorde, which is, you know, the famous jet uh, that was uh, supersonic, uh, ultimately failed. So, I, I mean, I remember as a kid, you hear about the Concorde and there are pictures of it. It has that nose that sort of dips down a little bit and, and it doesn't look like any other kind of plane. And uh, I remember being very excited by the possibility of flying in, in, across, to, from one point to another uh, around the planet uh, very quickly. So what? give me the, the blue sky, so to speak, vision of the possibilities that uh, supersonic air travel provide us. Yes. So imagine going from D.C. to L.A. in two hours and 15 minutes. Imagine uh, going from New York to the United Kingdom, uh, to London, in a little over three and a half hours, right? It's it, it, it can, at its higher end, have the travel time to some of these locations and provide just an incredible um, ability to transverse, uh, you know, the, the globe. Um, there are a number of technologies right now, or a number of companies right now that are working to develop this technology. It's primarily aimed at business jets, but there is one uh, company, uh, they're called Boom Technologies, which is hoping to create a passenger airline for uh, the, where they would like to price tickets at roughly the, the high end of subsonic uh, ticket fares for business class. And if we get to that world and those technologies uh, do come to fruition, I think that is a wonderful and, and interesting uh, – that will have wonderful and interesting ramifications. And from the perspective of uh, people on the ground, what's the, what's the obvious downside of supersonic travel? Right. So this is the thing that originally sunk the Concorde and created that overland ban. There's primarily two major concerns and there's a lot of littler concerns that we can debunk if you'd like. But the big concern is the supersonic boom. It is that loud percussive sound as the aircraft goes over you and uh, it it, it it can strike you, right? And you uh, will feel it. Um, Now, the myth around supersonic booms is often that they're very loud, um, obnoxiously so, right? The anti-Concorde project, which put up the original fight against uh, the Concorde 
put out an entire New York page, a uh, New York Times uh, advertisement that was a page long that said, this is going to be the loudest noise you've ever heard. Um, that's just not the case. It, it, it depends on how fast the plane is going and how it is designed, but modern uh, devices can be low boom, like the Lockheed uh, Martin uh, test that they're planning to do, the low boom demonstrator, which will fly at you know 55,000 feet, going uh, Mach 1.4, 1.4 times the speed of sound. And uh, it's going to not sound like a sonic boom. It's going to sound like a dull heartbeat, you know, like a thud thud. A uh, about as loud as if you had your dryer on downstairs, right? Um, other technologies uh, like boom is expected to go about Mach 2.2, which is about 10% faster than the Concorde. And uh, their passenger jet, they're shooting to have it about 30% quieter than the Concorde, which is uh, roughly as loud as, say, a motorcycle passing you on the street or a blender. Uh, and keep in mind, just as to think about this, it's the the plane goes by in about a half a second, so it's very quick. I fly commercial airlines on a far too regular basis, and uh, this just seems like a benefit to rich people with some downsides for people on the ground. Are there safety concerns for supersonic air travel that uh, we need to be uh, concerned about moving forward? I'll take those two claims separately. Well, first, we'll talk about the safety idea of it. Um, the the first uh, the idea that these percussive uh, booms are are, are very uh, they, they create a huge nuisance, or they can harm wildlife, or destroy buildings, like create cracks in windows, is is false. Um, one study uh, in 1964 in New Mexico, basically NASA set up an entire town. Uh, or, or rather, the FAA set up an entire fake little town, and they had plaster and stucco and and glass um, and and chickens in this town, and they hit it with about fifteen hundred uh, very loud uh, supersonic booms, and they found that plaster and stucco held, held um, glass was only hurt if it had been installed incorrectly, and there was no effect on the wildlife. Um, the idea that it is that this technology is only for the rich um, is, of course, you know, it's a concern because this is where the market will come from. Uh, people will need to purchase supersonic flight tickets at the prices that they are, which will, for the record, be significantly lower than that of the Concorde. But um, they will be able to, they'll have to start this market in order for us, uh, for the industry to realize efficiencies and achieve economies of scale. In terms of the limits on the market, it seems that a total ban in the United States would, of course, uh, limit the market. What's step one to uh, getting to a point where uh, perhaps just the uh, very well-heeled – and, of course, supersonic travel was was always expensive. That was always one of the concerns about the Concorde is that it uh, was financially not the best deal. Um, so, you know – What's step one to get to the process? Let's get to the point where some people may travel this way uh, sooner rather than later. the The first step is to really repeal the the blanket speed ban over the United States and replace it with something that is akin to a noise certification limit, where when an airplane, a supersonic airplane, is traveling. 
Um, it, it it is permitted to uh, go whatever speed it wants as long as it only generates a certain amount of noise or nuisance um, for the people on the ground. So uh, this could be done in something in, in a way that compares to other technologies and other noises that we're used to on the on a daily basis, and should be significantly lower than that of the Concorde uh, because technology would allow that. If supersonic air travel is allowed to uh, get going in even in the early stages, what kind of efficiency gains should we expect? At least one airliner or one. Airframer that has been developing supersonic jets already says that it can achieve fuel parity with subsonic jets. Now, they're still in the process of building these. So we don't rightly know exactly where all of this efficiency will be coming from. Um, they modern uh, supersonic jets use incredibly more efficient uh, composite materials and uh, computer-generated designs to ensure low booms and uh, ensure efficiency. Um, so we will see efficiency gains. I don't know if it will be nearly on the scale uh, that needed to achieve that parity. Uh, eventually, down the line, we'll have to be able to develop an engine that is more efficient. Um, and there's some work in, towards that progress. But that will come with a lot of R&D and will come with the, the need for a market uh, to generate uh, you know, the need for air, these airplanes so that you can then get to the, the uh, really great uh, engines of, of yore, like variable cycle engines, for example. Alan McQuinn is a senior policy analyst at the Information Technology and Innovation Foundation. You can subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Podcasts and anywhere you get your podcasts. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.